podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the podcast. Just Rob today, Rich is away at a festival, but big news coming out of the Ashes. Stuart Broad has actually gone and retired. This is his final game in Ashes cricket ever, and that doesn't quite feel real because he's been such a mainstay of international cricket, of Ashes cricket, and given us some of the biggest moments over the last generation. So he is going to be absolutely sorely missed. I do feel this has come very much out of the blue. Uh, but what we're going to do today, we're going to have a quick look through some of the articles going around, um, and I'm going to talk through some of his, his significance, some of his traits, some of the things that's made him such a great competitor on the international stage for such a long time. It was really interesting because only a couple of week, days ago or a couple of weeks ago he was talking about the addiction of international cricket. Uh, he's actually performing at a super high level as well. He played last five test matches, six test matches straight, time and time again, performing really, really well for England. You can say that he's probably led this attack during this Ashes series as well. So the fact that he's going on top is really cool. We saw other players do it. Nasser Hussain went out on top with his 100 against New Zealand at Lords. Like He's never going to get better than that. And Brody playing at home in an Ashes, does it really get any better than that? So Stuart Christopher John Broad, 37 years old, Nottinghamshire-born, came out of Oakham, son of Chris Broad, obviously. It's an incredible career. Before this game, he'd rocked up his 600th test match wicket, a best of 8 for 15 thrown into that. A best match figures, it was 11 for 121, 28 four-wicket hauls, 25 wicket hauls, an economy rate, very unbasball-esque. 2.97. I think of Broad as someone who was exceptional uh, with the new ball in his pomp, had decent pace without being blitzing, but was incredible with the older ball as well. He could always make things happen. And he, he went through that period of time where he was being used as the enforcer role, which didn't really suit his bowling of pitching it up, LBW, Shane Watson, wrapping him on the pads. But he still did it for the team. And that's um, that's something quite special, that you've got someone that's giving up their gift, essentially, for the greater good of the team. In terms of where he sits all time, he sits fifth all time with 602 wickets. That's insane. 167 matches. You know, we've been so lucky to have Broad and Anderson in the same period. We've had a guy... Uh, Anderson with 183 games, Brody with 160 games. That's such a mainstay for like 15 years. I know England play more Test cricket than everyone else, but that's an incredible feat. Fast bowlers doing that. Like in the past, we would never get fast bowlers playing 100 Test matches. And like when you had uh, Courtney Walsh playing 130 odd Test matches, taking 500 wickets, that was so against the norm to be able to do that sort of thing. So to have two players at the same time is uh, is remarkable. Brody said he made the decision about 8.30 on Friday evening. Informed long-standing friend and teammate Jimmy Anderson and Joe Root of his decision to, uh, before the play on Saturday morning and was understood to be fighting back the tears. Of course you would. Of course you'd be fighting back the tears. He did a great tweet, actually. It was a year to the day this week that the whole uh, Mike Atherton versus Alan Donald at Trent Bridge went on in 1998. Uh, incredible day. I was in the Ratcliffe Road middle with my dad watching that best days 
test cricket or one of the best days test cricket I've ever seen but probably the best passage of play I've ever seen and Brody uh, tweeted saying that he was in the stands with his dad watching it and how it kind of like solidified his love for cricket uh, during that moment he said it's been a wonderful ride a huge privilege to wear the Nottinghamshire and England badge as much as I have he's been at Nottinghamshire forever but did come through uh, spend time at Leicestershire as well He's loving cricket as much as ever. It's been such a wonderful series to be part of, and I've always wanted to go out on top. That's it. Wants to go out on top. Um, and it's, it has been an epic series, let's be honest. There's going to be podcasts coming out. Uh, there'll be a podcast tomorrow out when England have won the game. And then uh, Rich is back from the festival, and we'll be doing series reviews and player ratings and all that sort of jazz. So if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. If you're listening on the podcast, follow us along, um, and we will be there for that. He's played every single Ashes series, every single Ashes game since 2009. 104 wickets at 26.56 in that time. That is a ridiculous stat. Absolutely ridiculous. And he's just gone past, uh, I think it was Ian Botham's record of 148 Ashes wickets. So he's now got 151. Just crazy, crazy sort of numbers that we see from him. He's been thinking about it uh, on and off for a few weeks. The Ashes, he's saying, is essentially the pinnacle for him. He's loved the battles. <laughs> you know, you can't think of Stuart Broad without the battle. Even up to this week where he goes up to Marnus and changes the bales around and then he gets out of the next ball. That's like, that's classic Broad in action. Um, Aussies might remember him for different things, such as when he nicked the ball to Haddon, who then fumbled it across to slip and didn't walk. Um, classic Broad to me, classic Interestingly enough, he actually said he was 50-50 on the decision until 8pm last night. Uh, and obviously he found a, a place of feeling quite at ease with his decision. Uh, does you know? I'm all for the romantic story of someone keep going on and on, but I'm also for the romantic story of someone going out on top and on their terms. Because so often it, in different sports you see people go on and go on uh, and don't quite make it. Or don't quite live up to the expectation that they've had for the previous 100 test matches or whatever it is. It does make me feel proud to have taken 150 wickets against the Aussies, to be in the sort of category with Orney and Glenn. I've loved every moment of bowling against Australia, apart from Mitchell Stark bowling at Brisbane. That was horrific. And that was incredible because Brody came in. Um, that was the one where he came in, newspaper under the arm. Uh, was full of beans, you know, previous series he'd nicked off to slip and didn't walk took Pfeiffer, but the series was all about Mitchell Johnson absolutely physically harassing the England bowlers, uh, and England batters, sorry, uh, putting players into retirement midway through the series. Just incredible stuff. Here's an interesting stat. This is an all-round stat. So people with 3,000 runs and um, how many wickets they've got. So 3,000 runs and 300 wickets has been achieved 10 times in international cricket. And during that time... Brody, 602 wickets is the second most on that list behind Warned. Quite an incredible feat. He did score that incredible 169, I want to say, against India back in the day, maybe 2010, 2011. Uh, might have the team wrong there, but got pinned. Now, I think that was India Varun Aaron, is, is my recollection. So that changed the course of his batting career, because at that time, we were all looking at Brody going, Brody's class, Brody can bat, he's like the genuine all-round, he's going to average your 25-30 down the order, he's going to keep popping up with hundreds, unfortunately never made another Ashes, sorry, never made a hundred again, uh, but was in his peak good enough to do so, and grew up as a, an opening bat as well, so 
Bit of a shame. There's a great article here by Andrew Miller. This is back in 2016, Broad's Magnificent Seven. And this is the seven times in his career that he claimed five wickets in a single spell um, or not. One of them being versus Australia at the Oval in 2009. At the age of 23, this was. Um, incredible performance. Ponting chopped on, Mike Hussey nailed with an inducker. Uh, they went from 73 for none to 133 for eight. Uh, and this was kind of the start of it. India in 2011 took five for five in five overs. And is there anything, there's two, two like celebrations from Brawley. One where he runs off with his hands either side, running to someone at deep backward point. And the other one is it's the Brawley appeal. And there was a great tweet going around on Twitter of all these different people doing Brawley appeals at the time. It's incredible. It's not just Brawley, but he's synonymous for it. Um, five for 33 in a spell against South Africa in 2000. 12. This was around the Peterson time, who was complaining about, it's not easy for me in the dressing room, bringing up 149. Uh, KP, for all his faults, was ahead of his time in the way he played cricket and the way he approached trying to win games of cricket. Um, controversial or not? Um, yeah. A 7 for 44 against New Zealand in 2013. 6 for 22 in the Ashes. 2013 Ashes, I thought, was almost peak broad. He was absolutely wonderful during that time. And you can never forget Ashes uh, 8 for 15, 2015. Like, that is... Uh, peak Stuart Broad I didn't go, I was living in New Zealand at the time I actually bought my dad tickets to go but he wasn't well enough so I gave them to Rich and Rich was able to go with his dad and was able to just have one of those dad-son sort of moments where you're witnessing Ashes folklore going on another one 5 for 14 against South Africa in Johannesburg 2015-16 just I said in the previous podcast uh, the best spell bowler I've ever seen and I got rinsed for that because Curtly Ambrose did take 7 for 1 in the spell but what I'd be interested like I've got a lot of stats but I haven't got uh, spell stats so I'd be interested in knowing who is genuinely the best statistically who is the best spell bowler of all time to me he's the best of the generation I think is the best way to go no one um, could turn a game like Brody when Brody was on every ball felt like a wicket he was uh, an excellent performer one of the sayings I use is piss and vinegar, and I always thought he performed like he was full of piss and vinegar. Just just full wholeheartedly in on winning a game of cricket for England every single time, despite him and Anderson being dropped for the West Indies, which was a ridiculous decision. It may have added length to their career, but still, just full wholeheartedly team player Every single time, every single time he came out to bat, even after being pinned in the face, like he would just suck it up and get pinned and pinned and pinned. And above all else, an Ashes phenom. You don't take 151 Ashes test wickets without being a phenom. You don't take 602 test wickets without being phenom. Now, people will go, well, Stain was better, or Johnson was better, or this was better, McGraw was better. Yeah, you know what they might be. But the fact is, how many fast bowlers have gone and played 167 test matches? He's played one less than Steve Waugh, who was a batter. An incredible batter, a generational batter, a, one of the greatest of all time sort of batters. That's how good Stuart Broad has been. So let us know down in the comments below uh, what you think of Stuart Broad's career, what are you uh, most proud of during his career. But it's been an incredible feat, an incredible player. 
uh, and I really hope that he gets to go out on a high the next day. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. Ashes review coming tomorrow when England win. Series review coming after that. Player ratings coming after that. And then we get stuck into what the winter has got in store, what our squad would be going to India, and all that great jazz. We'll see you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.